0: Hey, folks. I'm Tom. I'm KJ. You know the drill. We're back again to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club. You know, just because football season goes away after the fall every year, unfortunately, the Dunlap Champions Club does not, and we've told you this before, but it's a great event space that you
1: should consider for your team, family, organization, whatever it is. Space, space, and more space. Anything from 10 to 15 people, or I'm told... As many as 800 can be accommodated. Uh, they, they've got space. They do. They've got uh, – if you've been in the Dunlap Champions Club, you
0: know we're talking about the fourth floor and the sixth floor, really, of the University Center Club. But the fourth floor is 20,000 square feet, floor-to-ceiling windows, overlooks Bobby Bowden feel. They can set it, you know, whatever you want, plated function, theater seating, cocktail reception. If you like uh, the terrace, the little outdoor – and and actually – this time of year yeah yeah i might not suggest it for late july early august this time of year this time of year i think that's an option same thing up there cocktail reception they'll set it however you want just consider it it's uh it it really is a great space i've I've been to several functions there i'd encourage you to do the same 850-644-1830 for ticket information or you can call and schedule a private tour and now without further ado Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. Keith, how are you, sir? Uh, other than the fact I'm a little weary, I'm doing great. Dare I ask, what time did the team return from Bloomington, Indiana this morning? The t- plane touched down about 2.02 okay. a.m. So you are a little groggy. Eh, a little bit. That's
1: all right. I'm frustrated. True. but But I think we're going to be pleased when everything's said and done. I was referring to football. Are you referring to basketball or football? No, I'm back to football. I don't oh, know you're right back to football. Going. Okay. Where were you going?
0: Okay. My quick takeaway on basketball and then we can get deeper into it later. Uh first of all, this won't make you happy. I I went to bed at halftime. Recorded. You the game, didn't miss much. Check the score. You didn't miss didn't much. Didn't see a need to watch the second half. My frustration though and I do I do this too much when I'm filling in for Gene. I don't like to get on the officials, but so we did the Tennessee game the other night. It was a street fight with SEC officials. I mean, they're literally not going to blow the whistle in the first half. It looked like football. Then I tuned in, and unfortunately when I tuned in last night, it was the twelve-zero run for Indiana, which took it from 11 to 4 to whatever. And we went like 12 minutes o'clock time where there was a whistle every possession. Now, half of them were Florida State turnovers, but the other half was ticky-tack kind of stuff, and it just frustrates me that the game is officiated so differently, game to game, half to half, possession to possession.
1: That's my part of the success of a basketball team in today's environment is to as quickly as possible get a feel for how the referees are going to call the game and adjust your play accordingly. Right. Because it is going to vary.
0: And it certainly did. So anyway, I don't want to get on a, an official's rant there, but that was just my quick takeaway. And I, I didn't really – I had the game on and was sort of watching it. I wasn't studying it closely. Anyway, to your sentiment, I do agree – I've seen this team. I've got the game against Clemson with you on Sunday. I like the parts a lot. They just got to get settled in on offense. There's reasons that they're struggling, the biggest one being that they turned over six key guys from last year, the second biggest one being that the replacements missed a lot of preseason practice, but it will get there. Eventually. Eventually. Okay. So you said
1: you're not frustrated. You're good. I'm very good. Okay. Would you like to know why? Sure. Do you know who the head coach is? Do you have some information you'd like to share? I do have some information. I don't know that I know who the head coach is. Okay. And the information is? Well, I'm standing at uh, the FBO, known as Millionaire, because we fly charter for basketball. And we're waiting to, to get onto the plane to go to Bloomington on Monday afternoon. And this other jet lands. And all of a sudden, the door opens, and people start getting out of it that look familiar to me. And there are people I know. Oh, wait a minute. That's President Thrasher, and that's A.D. Coburn, and that's Jim Curry, and that's Ed Burr. Ooh, wait a minute. They're coming back from somewhere. So I position my little self right there by the door, so I'm the first one that they see when they walk in. And there's about 15 of us that are there to to fly up with the team for the basketball game, Mr. Deckerhoff, of course, and our good friend Joe Camps and and uh, others, and, and and all of a sudden – the door opens, and Thrasher walks in and sees all of us, and he gets this puzzled look on his face. I said, we're here for the announcement, <laughs> and obviously there was no announcement, and I asked as many people of that group that I could, can you tell me anything? Can, I, can you tell me anything? Can you share anything? Do we know where we're we going? Where are you coming from? What would you do? And everybody was as tight-lipped as they could be, but... Uh, the one thing that was said, there was two things that were said. The first thing that was said to me was that uh, we are close, and and the gentleman involved, I won't tell you who it is, looked right dead at me in the face and said, you will be pleased. So I'm going to take that as an extreme positive. And the second thing, um, President Thrasher volunteered that they were going to meet with Odell, and I took that to mean that it might not be Odell, but they were informing him of what's going on. So I think, the, obviously, they're clo- they've are they identified the person. Uh, they're close to finalizing the negotiations, and I would speculate that since it hasn't been Monday or Tuesday like you and I thought it would be, that uh, it most likely is going to be Norvell when the time rolls around. We'll talk with our
0: Osceola insider, Patrick Burnham, coming up. Osceola has done some legwork on Mike Norvell. We'll also hunt around and see if maybe it's not Norvell and there's some other And it, could, that it could very well be someone
1: different. That's just my Here's where I'm opinion.
0: disappointed, though, Keith. You needed somebody, didn't have to be you, but while you were having the conversation with the people that were in the back of the plane, you needed somebody lower profile to go talk to the guy that was in the front seat in the plane to just kind of you know, shoot the bull for lack of a better term. Hey, how's the weather out there? Where are you guys coming from?
1: No, no, I know where you're going and I've got your answer. I'm not going to tell you. Okay. I know where the plane came from. Okay. Because one of the gentlemen that was with us is a pilot who put the tail number in and got the registration, but I'm not going to tell you where they came from. That's not fair. Well, that's not fair.
0: You did your reconnaissance then and, and and you know, and it was an area close to Memphis. I'll just say that. It was an area where there's the sport of football is played. Correct. Okay. So the reason I said I was frustrated, I'm not frustrated that there's not an announcement yet. I'm frustrated that the fan base is frustrated because many have already jumped to the conclusion that it's a failed search when we don't even know
1: who the coach is. There's nothing failed about what they've done. Everything that they've done have been meticulous and methodical. And I'll tell you this, and here's why. Everybody blew up on Monday because that stage got set and the field was being prepped. Well, those decisions were made last week. I guarantee you. Coburn in a staff meeting told his people, all right, on Monday, start getting things ready for two reasons. Number one, we, don't we, know. we may have an announcement on yeah. Monday or Tuesday, so we need to be ready to go. And number two, this is a pretty big recruiting weekend coming up, so the field needs to be prepped for the things they do for recruits anyway. Right. That's the planning ahead that's the uh organization that's the do we know what we're doing that was the negative about coach taggart that is not the negative about ad Coburn.
0: so there's several things here and the biggest one is this keith you and i have talked about this since day one once you get past stoops now, maybe Franklin would be an exception, but there's there's nobody that is going to be a home run hire to the standpoint that there's going to be a line at the ticket office right now. We are not going to know if this was a good hire or not until, as Corey Clark puts it, 21 games in. But basically until at least a full season and you have an idea what you're dealing with. So you can be unhappy when the announcement comes this weekend, but we already know what it looks like if you're happy all off season. And then you kick off on Labor Day night, and the product's we know what not that very looks like We know what that
1: looks like. And I made the comment, and you looked at me with three eyes, and the rest of our listeners thought I was crazy. But there is a legitimate argument to be made that when that announcement is made, if the majority of Seminole Nation goes, huh, what, that's the right hire. Because if you hire anyone else that has exuberant fan base participation – that's only going to be 10% of our fan base. You know, if Bob Stoops is hired, that's the exception. Anybody else is only going to generate that euphoric thing from 10 maybe 15%. Do you think the University of Florida went crazy when Billy Donovan was announced as their new basketball coach? For that matter, do you think they went crazy when Urban Meyer was announced as their new football coach? This is a world we live in where you're going to have to take some chances. And and if they went after Stoops, and I believe they did, and if Stoops talked to him, and I believed he did, or at least his people did, and it didn't work out, then you move on. If Franklin wants to stay in in Penn State, that's fine. Uh, The boy from um, Iowa Iowa State signed a new extension. Flex signed an extension from Minnesota. That's the world we live in. I've said all along, you've said and agreed with me, wow, man, did did they do their homework? Is there a vetting process out there? Is there that guy that we just don't know about that's flying just under the radar that you would reach out and get that after the fact you would look at and say, wow, that is a home run? I think, I don't know that it's Norvell, but I think if it is someone of his character and of his background, while there are things to be – Uh, concerned about, hadn't recruited so much in the Southeast, uh, only been at one program as a head coach, or those types of things. Those are legitimate concerns, but if that interview and that thought process and those discussions and the vetting that went on meet Coburn and Thrasher's threshold, then I trust their judgment. Yeah, I don't
0: have a problem with – the the only problem I've really had, and you and I disagree on this, and we'll have to save this for uh, later in the show to get into the meteor thing. I still didn't see the merit or don't see the merit of putting a time frame on it initially. And I know you said it's it's to hold the recruits, but, but it, it sort of boxed you in because now people feel like, well, they missed their deadline, so it's not going well. And it may – it may be as simple as Coburn didn't realize that the Florida game was literally the last day of the month of Florida.
1: But what everybody's forgetting is he did that for one reason. He did that for 15 people. He set that deadline for the 15 commits. He doesn't give a rat's butt about anybody else well, relative to the deadline. That's the only people maybe, that that maybe. is See, important to I, I, I disagree that that maybe no. held the recruits. It's the only but. people that it's important to I didn't. I don't know if it held them or not. But I'm saying that's the only audience that he was speaking to of merit in his mind when he set that deadline. And that that may be true. Then what I'm
0: saying is, and I've come at this from the start, I'm not worried about this year's recruiting class. So when you look at the perception and the optics, I don't think it did Florida State a favor to set a deadline. You could have just said – and first of all, just even backtracking further – some people have looked at this as failed because you didn't immediately hire somebody when you fired Willie. Those were two different decisions. Correct. We're deciding to move on from Willie because we think we can do better. That was one decision.
1: Separate decision is now let's go get the best guy possible. And you can't negotiate but, or have anybody else but, in mind until and unless you fired Willie, because right. otherwise that's all speculation. Right. Well, yeah, right. I'll I'll come work for you if you fire Willie. Well, and to that point, because there's some who've
0: suggested this would have been better served to do this behind closed doors and have Coach Taggart still here. Ask LSU how that worked when they had less Miles and they were trying to hire Jimbo and they were ready to fire Les, but they didn't do it because they were trying to dot I's and cross T's. And then guess what? He won a ball game Les two. won a few games and they couldn't fire him. And, and that's how that story... So, um, but anyway, back to the time frame. I don't know the reason for it. And in the grand scheme of things, this will just be a little footnote to this coaching search. But I, I do think it just got it out there that the perception is, well, you missed the deadline, so it must not be going well. And to me, you could have just said... We don't know how long it's going to take, but as soon as we've found the best candidate for the job, that's when we're going to have a coach in. We hope it'll be, you know, right after the season. Well, you then, didn't have
1: to put a date to it. That's well, all then Coburn it. should have had two conversations. All right. There, listen, guys, guys, you guys that have committed, we're going to have a coach here by, by well, December 1. There's plenty for the of, rest of you, for the rest of you, but there's plenty we'll, we'll of, get one here as quickly as we
0: can. Thank you very much. There's plenty of conversations that go on behind the scenes, you know, with, with the recruits and that, and that kind of thing. We're, we're digressing. That's not really the big issue. You've been adamant that that's why he said that um I, d- I just don't think it was the that that's the one thing I found fault with the rest of it the search firm all that and we can develop this later I'm on board with it I mean you've done your homework if Florida State's been criticized for not doing enough homework two years ago they've certainly done enough homework this time around I
1: gave someone this analogy let's see if it speaks to you I used to have these conversations with Jim Gladden all the time one of the best recruiters at Florida State ever had brought me to Florida State that's why he's one of the best recruiters that Florida State's ever had He would go to high school, and he'd talk to a youngster or he'd talk to the head coach, okay? And then he had three mandatory meetings. He would meet with the principal. Tell me about Tom. What's he involved in? What's your perception of him? Tell me about his family. Then he'd meet with the guidance counselor. What are his interests academically? What's he good at? What's he struggle at? And then he'd tell the academic counselor, who's his favorite teacher? And they'd say, it's Keith Jones. And he'd go meet with Keith Jones and say, Keith Jones, tell me about Tom Block. There was three meetings there that were not related to football, and that's the vetting. We'll get back to the coaching search
0: after we take a break. I do want to mention that uh, Madison Social is having a garage sale this weekend.
1: A garage or a they're, garage? They're
0: cleaning out the cupboards of their old uh, MadsO Challenge shirts from 2018 Ooh. and earlier. So from 10 to 2 on uh, Saturday, just before the Winter Festival and all that, you can head on out there. And- Maybe some items in there of uh, intrigue. That may be what your Christmas gift is this year for me. Well, thank you. Which would be an upgrade from nothing, which is what I've gotten you every year prior. I think
1: to XL, please.
0: All right, uh, no XL. We'll take a break. Come back and continue here on Front Row. All stay with us. Oh. We are back on Front Row Knowles, and we'll continue with the uh, topic du jour for today and for the last week and the last several weeks, and that is who's going to be the next head football coach. And with that very answer is our Osceola insider, Patrick Burnham. So, all right, go ahead, Pat. The floor is yours. What do you got?
3: Well, uh, you know, obviously it's been an interesting search, and uh taking a little bit longer than I think most people uh, anticipated, you know, given the fact that at one point they thought it was going to be by the end of November but hey the, the thing is to get the right coach not get, the, get uh if you get the right coach it doesn't matter what the date you sign them all is but uh and I think that's what they're trying to do is make sure they get the right coach and it sounds like uh it's gonna be this weekend before we'll know but certainly uh got some good candidates
0: I know it's human nature but what you just said is exactly right on this You don't have to get it done fast. You have to get it right. That's the most important thing. And I know there's recruiting implications every hour that ticks by. I still think it's more important to get the coach right, even if it means that now you lost one or two or three or four or five or eight recruits. I don't know where you fall on that, but that's my thought on it.
3: Yeah, I don't think you sacrifice the search for one recruiting class because while it's not great that you don't have a head coach right now because it is an important week, you're also going to see an uptick in recruiting once the new coach is named because he and his staff will have been recruiting people. And, you know, there might be some guys that they would recruit no matter where they're coaching. So, uh, you know, that'll take care of itself. But I certainly don't think that you sacrifice the uh, person you get in your coach just for the uh, sanctity of early silent period.
1: It's unfortunate that the process of hiring a new coach is parallel to getting information on social media. You have to be first, even if you're wrong, and you just need to create conflict so you get clicks,
0: you, even you, if you don't know where you're going. You could say it's unfortunate that fill in the blank
1: also true. is on social media. <laughs> also true.: Well, we've, we dial down to specifics, Pat. Um, both Franklin. And um, the 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 boy from Iowa State, Matt Campbell, Campbell are not playing in a uh, championship game. Yeah. So they could announce Monday or Tuesday, and there was no announcement Monday or Tuesday. So that immediately ruled them out.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think that uh, if you got, if you're not playing in a bowl or a championship game. And you know how uh, important getting on the road would be with your, your, not only yourself, but with your new staff and getting that together. You would think that if it was someone that was not playing in a championship game, that they would they probably passed on the job or uh, for whatever reason it didn't work out. Uh, but certainly you would think if it was somebody that was not playing this weekend, that they would have uh, gone ahead and scheduled the press conference and announced it and got things rolling.
1: Well, can't wait a minute, and taking that one step further... If you were not coaching at all at the collegiate level currently,
3: you could have announced
1: last week or the week before, correct?
3: Oh, yeah. I think that uh, if you're referring to I think you're referring to, yeah, I don't think that one uh, is going to come to fruition. But, um, you know, I mean, I've still got people telling me that, they think it will. Right. Uh, but I know, obviously, Florida State fans. Continuing but, uh, my yeah, train he, of thought. He was in Dallas yesterday while he yep. was checking
1: in. So. Well, continuing that train of thought, if there were four on the upper tier and we just eliminated three of them,
3: who's left? You know, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, somebody was telling me yesterday that DJ Fleck may or may not have signed his contract yet. I thought that he had. So. <laughs> my point simply hey, being, listen.
1: my point simply being, by that simple and very simple arithmetic, it, it's got to be Norvell, isn't it?
3: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's got to be. Uh, yeah, and Norvell seems to be the uh, guy that people are talking about the most. I mean, obviously, uh, Luke Sickles coaching this weekend, too, and, uh, you know, Brian Harson. all those names have been associated loosely, uh, or at least at some point with the uh, job, whether it's been by someone credible or not, but they you know, you've heard their names, but it certainly seems to be, uh, pointing towards Mike Norvell. And of course he's been highly successful at Memphis and has produced great offenses at Arizona state. And, um, but yes, that's, 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 kind of how, if you read the tea leaves and, uh, can, uh, Kind of trying to figure out the reasoning behind the timing of it all, it would certainly lead to uh, Coach
1: Normal. And I made one other point to Tom because, again, the fan base, and I, and I understand how this works, but when it came out, that they were staging on Monday and the field was being painted on Monday. Everybody expected the announcement on Monday or Tuesday. And I just reminded everybody that twofold, and I see if you agree with this, number one, we're dealing with an athletic director in Coburn, which is he's very much he's a planner and, and, and a uh, he puts things down on paper and he makes things get done. Those things were scheduled last week, in my opinion, because this coming weekend, as it relates to painting the field, this coming weekend is a big recruiting weekend and you want yeah. the field looking nice and there's things that they do down there and they do with the big board, some things that the NCAA says you can't do as well. But all of that is in keeping with someone that's organized and prepared, not for someone whose search for a head coach has failed.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think – I mean, that, they were, they were going to have to do a couple of those things anyway, right? So, um, you know, I think the field painting, uh, I don't know how telling that is. Uh, as far as it comes to the hiring of a football coach uh, as i've said all week yes is it a, a sign that something could happen yes but the uh, sign that would be more indicative of uh, a coach being hired would be the current assistant coach and being called off the road and uh you know that didn't happen so i think you know i mean i think people were literally reading between the lines on the, the field painting i think that's something that uh they were probably going to do for recruiting weekend, whether the head coach was brought in or not. Exactly.
0: All right, we'll get to Norvell and his background here momentarily, but Pat, just give us some yes-no answers on this just to move it along. So uh, is Bob Stoops still uh, uh, in play at all, yes or no?
3: It does not make any sense to me, no.
0: James Franklin, there's a thought that he was holding out because USC had not determined what they were doing there, and now last night they said that they are going to keep their coach, which means that maybe Franklin would still have interest in FSU. Do you buy that, or you think he's off the table?
3: I think that he's off the table. I, I you know, There may be some hope that maybe I've heard that there might be some last minute, one last chance taking a run at him, but I, it doesn't. Again, where we are in the recruiting cycle, where he is with his his current recruiting class, and I believe that change would have taken
0: place this week. Matt Campbell signed a contract extension yesterday. You said on our show a few weeks ago that your intel said he wasn't coming here. What's been reported is he wants the next job to be a big, big 10 job. Uh, are he and P.J. Fleck with their new contracts, or are they off the table?
3: I believe Matt Campbell is. Uh, you know, there has not been any, you know, it seems like the P.J. Fleck um, Kind of, the rumors kind of dissipated. Uh, I do not you know the the person I talk to that those uh, coach life uh, does not think at this time that there's anything going on between he and Florida State.
0: Okay, so coaches coaching this weekend, which includes yep. Norvell, is there a chance that it's somebody besides Norvell that we're not talking about, and I don't mean Lane Kiffin, but like Matt Rule at Baylor or the Clemson coordinators or somebody else that's in a championship game this week?
3: You know, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it was somebody. I mean, you know, listening, you know, Mike Norville is getting a lot of attention at Arkansas and Ole Miss uh, with those jobs coming open. Uh, I have not heard anything that tells me that it's officially done between uh, Mike Norville and Florida State or Florida State and anybody really. But I mean, you know, there was early interest in Britt Venables. We heard his name a lot. He's coaching the. Uh, the championship the ACC championship game of Clemson, of course, their defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, and then of course, you know, a name that we're familiar with from earlier this season is Brian Harson at Boise State. Is that a guy that, you know, he's his first coaching job was at Arkansas State in the South. Uh would that be somebody that Florida State would take a run at? You haven't heard any uh you know, there's not been a lot of smoke created with his name. You don't hear it a lot and I've not heard it in coaching circles. Uh you know, the coaches I talked to, and I've talked to a couple this morning, and they you know, they believe that it's probably going to be Norvell.
0: Okay, so that said, what's the book on him? Tell us about him.
3: Well, he uh, played football at Central Arkansas. was a, actually a very good receiver uh, there from 2001 to 2005. And then has uh, moved up the coaching ranks pretty quickly. He, that's, he coached uh, for Todd Graham uh, as an assistant coach. Uh, he coached with him at Tulsa. To, uh, Todd was the head coach at Tulsa a bit in Arizona State, and uh, Coach Norville has been with him every bit of the way. I started in 2011 uh, as a receivers coach. Uh, worked his way up actually at Tulsa from a GA to not only a uh, passing game coordinator but director of recruiting. Um, was at Pitt 2011 with Graham, and then obviously was at ASU from 2012-2015. Two, uh, Highly uh, productive offenses, whether as a coordinator or as, as a head coach. Um, His highest rated offenses, uh, 2016, and uh, uh, 2017, and 2018, both finished fourth in the nation in total offense. Uh, The worst offense he's ever had finished 34th in in total offense, and that was at Arizona State. Um, You know, he does prefer to pass the ball than he does to run the ball. Uh, But when he has a running back uh, that's capable of toting the ball 20 to 30 times a game, he will do that. In uh, 2018 at Memphis, he had Daryl Henderson, who is now in the NFL, and they were fourth in the nation in rushing offense and only 56 in pass offense, but most of the time in his offense, uh, which is a one-back uh, spread offense, he uses tempo, uh, you know, you're know, going to see a lot of the zone read, divide zone, and he's going to toss them all over the field, uh, but he's, uh, he's known for his offense. And, Scoring offenses have been unbelievable. In was eight years as uh, offensive coordinator and a uh, head coach, his offenses have finished uh, outside the top twenty-five in scoring only once, thirty-second uh, in twenty-fifteen, which is the roughest season they had at Arizona State, where they went six and seven. But other than that, his offenses always scored quickly and uh, a lot. Uh, like I said, top twenty-five in seven of the eight years that he has been a, uh, a head coach or offensive coordinator. So. Uh, he's been highly successful. He's thirty-seven and fifteen at Memphis, and uh, playing in, I believe, his second championship game in four years in the American Athletic Conference. And I he's five and two versus top twenty-five programs, not named UCF. So, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: well played. Well, I've yeah. got,
0: I I can ask you a UCF-related question in a moment, but but talking about the offense. So assuming it is normal, does that mean that, that, that Kendall Bryles and Clements are done and he'll bring it here at FSU. And, and the second part of that would be, you know, who from the current staff might remain.
3: Well, I, you know, I would think that, uh, are you know, I think they've, I said, I think, uh, David Coburn answered this in his press conference. They're going to allow the next head coach to bring in his own people. And I think that they would do that. And, you know, uh, Mike Norvell has worked with some impressive coaches that are not on his staff now, including Chip Long, who was at Memphis with him, who's now the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. You've got Danny Lanning, who's the co-decent coordinator at Georgia was his inside linebackers coach. So he's got some interesting guys that he has coached with in the past that could be interesting coming back to Florida State. And of course, he's got a couple of really good coordinators right now. Kevin Johns is offensive coordinator at Memphis now was. At Indiana, when they set fifty-four offensive uh, school offensive records, and when he was the offensive coordinator for Kevin Wilson, so yeah, he's got some guys that you can consider for his staff, and I'm sure that uh you know they will ask him to consider who is on the staff now at Florida State. But as far as his, I'm not sure what his relationship with Kendall or Randy Clements or any of the other coaches are, and I would think that obviously there would be. A at least a request by the administration that he give every consideration in keeping Odell Haggins.
0: So to the UCF question. Sorry Keith, I didn't mean to take over. I'm just no, gonna go keep ahead, going. Go ahead, go ahead. So your brother coaches at UCF. What does he say yeah. about uh what, what he's seen when they've gone against Memphis?
3: Because <laughs> I know I, 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 <laughs> I, I know you've
0: asked that question, so what's the skinny?
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, he said, you know, one of the harder teams. They prepared for. uh, You know, he he faced them when they were throwing the ball all over the place and uh, when they were running it too. So, uh, you know, that was one. They played him twice in one year. And, you know, I think the Memphis went up very quickly in both games. And I believe in both games, UCF had to overcome, I think it was double digit deficits in both games and come back to win in the second half. So, yeah, they've had their. UCF has certainly had their hands full when they played Memphis, and it was, uh, they were happy to win them, but it, it was not a stress-free game, I can assure you of that.
0: <laughs> All right, as as we wrap up then, so if, if this is the case, that game is middle of the afternoon Saturday, word, word would leak an hour after that game because he's going to have to tell his team if that's the case, and then would you expect the press conference to be Sunday or Monday?
3: I would imagine it would be Monday. Um... Uh, They'll have to, obviously, uh, whoever the head coach is, if, if it was Coach Normal, would have to get you know obviously meet, meet with his team on Saturday or Sunday. They'd have to get their schedule together for bowl practices. If they win, they're more than likely going to be a New York New Year's 6 team, so there's going to be some logistics things. they're going to have to continue to work out uh, for that particular team, then I would imagine that he would probably fly in Sunday night. There would be a press conference on Monday would be my guess.
0: There's not any scenario, if they're going to the Cotton Bowl, that they would announce him as coach, and then he'd still coach Memphis through the bowl game, is there?
3: Well, I mean, obviously there's no precedent for it. Scott Frost coached uh, his bowl game when he took the Nebraska job. You know, I believe that there's been several coaches in the past that have done that. I think Kirby Smart, uh, of course, they had a different scenario. They were in the playoff, but... uh, yeah, you know, I know that uh, P.J. Fleck, New Year's Six Bowl. He coached his team before he went to Minnesota. Uh, I think he would probably like to coach that game if possible. That would be my opinion, and I don't know. You know, obviously that would be something that he would have to negotiate with Florida State. But I would think that he would ask to coach that game. It would be my would be my thought.
0: Okay, then last question because one thing we haven't talked about: what about from a charisma owning the room? uh commanding the mic how is this going to be re- if, if it's received because the the sell to florida state and this can change quickly and obviously if you win some games it changes like that right but if the perception is florida state missed on all of its frontline guys and now they've gotten somebody who's not a power five coach how is he going to be received when he's on the booster tour or on the circuit or at the well, initial I press mean, conference I think,
3: I, you know, I think you know obviously the fan base in my opinion or uh, at least the vocal minority of the fan base was hoping for a bob suit type hire. You know, so obviously, I think there may be a little bit of a letdown because of that. But once you get past the fact that, you know, you didn't get your first guy, which many programs don't, I, you know, I think then it kicks in that, hey, this is our new head coach. Uh, we want a new head coach. We got to give this guy our support and give him every chance that we can. And, but yeah, I, I would think by the time he gets on his booster tour, that any disappointment, any air that was let out of the film because it was not uh coach suits, I think that you know, that kinda of dissipates and you know, I've said this all along, I would prefer that the statement be made or the uh flash be made on September fifth than a random Monday in December when there's nothing going on in the field. Uh you know, the winning the press conference is great, but at the end of the day this is about winning football games, not uh, just next year but four or five years down the road from now. And we've had a new
1: coach hired that did say all the right things and did do all the right things, and then didn't win in the first 21 games.
3: Yeah, I, I you know, I, I think I want the flash or the splash to be made uh, uh, in Atlanta against West Virginia, and seeing a much improved football team. Uh, not so much worried about uh, next Monday in the Champions Club.
0: Yeah, what you're saying is a year from now when we're four days out from Bowl Selection Sunday. We don't want to be worrying about, well, maybe not just a year, but two and three years. We don't want right. to be thinking, is it Detroit or Annapolis or Shreveport? That's
3: right.
0: Yeah, we, we'd rather that that move to, let's at least get to San Diego or Boston. Let's move up a tier before we worry about the Orange Bowl in the playoffs. Hey, Pat, that's, that's, really, right. that's really good stuff. Uh, for our listeners, if you don't already subscribe to the Osceola, do so. The Osceola has all the latest on the coaching search, and he is our Osceola insider, Patrick Byrne. Appreciate it.
3: All right, guys. Have a great day.
0: Thanks, Pat. Seven-day free trial uh, for the Osceola. You can subscribe for six ninety five a month, seventy four ninety five annually, online at theosceola.com. All right, we got a lot to react to. I can see you want to. I, I sort of dominated. I took over there. And nine. I let you. Uh, you did. You did. That must mean I was asking good questions. You were. Or you fell asleep because it was a late night in Bloomington or an early morning. Or it might have been. Yeah, anyway. All right, we'll talk a little basketball next segment with uh, the longest tenured coach on campus, Sue Semrau. There, I said it too. Anyway, we'll come back after this.
2: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS.
0: We are back on Front Row Knowles and we'll open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together and uh, talk to a longtime friend, And the head coach of the women's basketball team at Florida State, Coach Sue Semrau. Coach Sue, how are you?
4: I'm doing great, Tom.
1: I think you, we're longtime friends because we're getting older, my friend. Hey, a hey, longest tenured coach at FSU right now. How's that feel? How's that feel? How's that feel at 37 years of age?
4: <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> you know, we didn't script this.
0: You, you probably can tell uh, Sue that Keith and I don't do a lot of pre-prep on this show. But uh, I made a conscious decision to not introduce you as the longest tenured coach, <laughs> and I went
1: the exact opposite.
0: And you did. That's that's why I said our longtime friend, and we still ended up down this road. But yes. <laughs> We're getting more mature is the way to put that. That's right. Your team is more mature this year, Coach, as a segue, because you returned all five starters, uh, which is certainly better than having to replace all five starters like you did a year <laughs> ago. Uh, so I guess as a starting point, how much different was off season and preseason and all of that when you're that much, you know, you're you're in the advanced class now, so to speak, instead of uh, the beginner's class? Yeah,
4: it was very different. Uh, it was the, the type of situation where – you had players that were teaching other players instead of coaches that were teaching other players. And we could move past the some of the fundamental stuff, although we had to go and rep those things again and could move beyond. And now it wasn't just teaching plays, they were reading the plays and it made a lot of difference and made a lot of difference so far in in our play on the court.
1: Sue, so the same thing could be said for your staff. You'd had some turnover in the last two or three years, and, and and now you've got some continuity there. I would assume that that made things a little bit easier.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's fun to see. You know, both Lance and Danielle as head coaches now, and knowing that you know our our coaching tree continues to grow. Uh, but we've got two other solid individuals that are that filled their spots and have, have now really become comfortable with. With our culture
0: and our system, and that does help us. So you get a big win the other night over Texas A and M. We'll get into some specific players in a little bit, but uh, that I think you know you were off to a great start already. You already had won at Gainesville. You already had won at LSU. But to me, that you, you go on the road, and I know it was neutral site, but you were in Texas. You were in their home state, and to take down the number six team in the country, I think that opened some eyes. Uh, I, your, your thoughts on that, because I realize, you know, you, the, the season, you don't put a marker in the sand and say, well, the season's over, we won that game. Now now, now you're more you've got a bullseye on your back because people are recognizing what you're doing.
4: Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, uh, you, you're kind of on the same wavelength as I am. I, I came to uh, practice yesterday, and I had my staff put bullseyes on their chairs uh, and make them sit back and say, okay, there's a target. Now, and how well, this wasn't ever our goal. This is where we are, but how do you avoid uh, getting hit if you're the target? And one of my kids, uh, one of my captains said, You keep moving, coach. And I'm like, Absolutely, that's what you do. And, uh, you know, they're not satisfied with that. At the same time, you know, you go into a game like that, uh, and, you know, they, they have a high ranking, and all will bet they do. And you go in, and there's, there's not a lot of pressure on the web And I think also, amount of pressure because <laughs> we think, they did this. I think that we should beat everybody and so I was really uh, pleased the they hit shots they played together played hard for 40 minutes
0: we're talking with coach Sue Semrau and coach I'm not sure if it's our end or your end but we're having a little reception issue with the cell phone so uh, for whatever that's worth, if you can find a window or some uh, some tinfoil, run it up the wall or an <laughs> antenna, whatever whatever works. Uh, so let me let me give you. We'll continue this conversation, but I want you to to um, have the, the floor is yours for for what is a big opportunity tonight against. I mean tomorrow night against Michigan State. I know you want to pack the tuck, uh, so so I'll let you make your pitch right now.
4: Well, I appreciate that. Honestly, the last piece for us. Being uh, having the ability to win a national championship is our crowd, and all over the country, the teams that are are winning, uh, the recruiting them, taking the you know the the Notre Dame's the uh, the Louisville's we we lose recruits to them because we have maybe four or five thousand and they have eight to ten thousand, and so. These, this is the opportunity to come out to help us to grow to the next level, but also to see great basketball. You know, you're going to see the number eight versus the number 18 team in the country tomorrow night. It's going to be on national TV with the ESPN network. So what's happening here in Tallahassee, you we know, people keep Tallahassee to come these young women for our quest to become a program.
0: Well said, Coach. And that is, uh, you know, that is the next step. And you've done a great job in the community and with your program over the years. And, and this year's team is is no exception. Um, without talking specific, well, I will talk specific players. It, and uh, Sammy Puices is one who comes to mind who can who can shoot the three outside. But but some of your returners from last year are now more adept at, at hitting the three ball. How much has that changed how teams have to defend you now that you're more consistent from outside?
4: it it really changes us, you know, we're, we have great post players and you have to defend them. And so it opens up things, um, you know, you have to choose as a defense, what you're going to guard. And it's, it's harder to choose this year. And a lot of that goes to their individual work, uh, over the course of the off season. Um, a lot of it goes to the reads and understanding the best three point shot to take. And, um, that, that really makes me proud as a coach because you can see our team playing together and taking
1: the best shot. Coach, I think all of our listeners would understand that you know your point guard's got to recognize zone versus man on every possession, but keeping that same train of thought, three versus inside, uh, who are you relying on and who's been uh, adept here in the early going at helping to facilitate and recognizing what that defense is trying to take away and then conversely use that on your offensive side?
4: Yeah, well, I have to just point at my three seniors. I mean, they're incredible. Uh, Nikki Kamu starts it off. She's a she's our point guard, but she is not a true point guard. You know, we we lost Isabella Nicoletti again at the beginning of the year with uh, with a knee injury, and so you know, for the second year now, she's running that point and she's understanding it a lot better. And uh, Naja Wilfork is also now completely understanding what they're taking away from her and how she could use her teammate, Kaya Gillespie same thing you know we had her we had to put it, the ball in her hand and shoot it <laughs> every time she touched it last year that's not the case this year and so we're a much better basketball team
0: well i i've already broadcast several of your games uh in the early going and i can attest to that you know and the, and the group that's we may, you know I mentioned Sammy Puisa, so you brought two McDonald's all Americans in three really good freshmen that that are part of a top recruiting class, and I mentioned your returning starters, but to me, the group that it was i saw a noticeable improvement from was your freshman from a year ago
4: mm-hmm.
0: uh I mean to me it was it, it sort of jumped off the page just just how much improvement there was as they're into their second year now,
4: well, absolutely, and again, they did get some good playing time last year with the injuries that we had. And they've taken advantage of that and built on that in the offseason. You know, Morgan Jones is just a special dynamic player. Courtney Weber has really stepped into a uh, blue-collar workhorse type of role, so smart, so willing to, to battle. And Valencia Myers, my goodness, you know, she's been in the starting lineup, and she's, she's grown. She understands physicality and tempo now a lot better than she did a year ago.
0: Coach, uh, Michigan State tomorrow night, and then, uh, of course, you still got the rigors of the ACC to come, but it, it looks like a really exciting season ahead. We're, we're, we're happy for you for the, for the great start and wish you the best of luck, and uh, hopefully the fans pack the tuck for you tomorrow night.
4: That'd be fantastic. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate you.
0: All right. Thank Thanks, you, so. Coach Sue and uh, she's done such a terrific job there. I apologize for the audio difficulties we had there, but it was uh <clears throat> that was our one chance to talk with coach Sue. so we figured She's we a just... little
1: busy this time of year She but you is. This?
0: She is. Uh, you notice how she was she was fine to jump off. She'd had
1: enough of us. She's got to get back to X and an O and getting ready for tomorrow night. You know, it's if you just look at entertainment value and you've got to pick going to dinner, going to a movie, going to a play or whatever it is your thing, is there a more economical Value for the dollar than going to a women's basketball game in Tallahassee. In my in my opinion, there is not. I'd be willing to entertain anyone else who would like to argue that.
0: The second part of that though is that it's a really good product and that, has been for a number of that's years. That's my
1: point, yeah. or part of my point.
0: Maybe that's the value part of it. Exactly. You, you started on the economic side, but that's the value part of it. Yeah, it, it's a it's a good basketball team. Her seniors are good. I think there's there's at least three. There might be four McDonald's All-Americans on Coach Sue's team and and really what she was saying and I know the audio got a little garbled there was the ne- the last step is that when they're bringing in recruits and they're fighting the top I mean they've got kids on the team now who came to FSU over UConn, Tennessee, LSU basketball powers but the last step is when those kids are at those schools and they see ten or 15,000 fans there, it's different than when they come here to the Tucker Center, and that's a hurdle still for her and her staff.
1: And, and that's the same advantage Florida State has utilized with Campbell Stadium and Mike Martin Field and, and Hauser Stadium. <clears throat> it is very important. It's not for the kids that are already there. It's for the kids that are visiting on their recruiting trip to see who's going to be there if and when they get there. And that sounds – Silly, and you go well. Why would we have to do that? Well, that's the way the game's played. So, if if Florida State wants to continue that upward trend and, and get over those next hurdles, as Sue very, very articulately pointed out, there needs to be seven or eight or nine thousand people in that building. Can't believe you referred to her as the longest tenured head coach at FSU. Well, Sue and I go way back. And, and she was very, very, very young when she was hired. And, you know, I think it's a miraculous story for someone to be as tenured as she is at 37 years of age. Do you know who the shortest
0: tenured coach is at FSU? Um, meet. Well, no, I was going to say we don't know because he's going to be introduced in the next couple days or week or something. And we'll continue that conversation you go. right after this on Front Row Knowles.
2: Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: Last segment on Front Row Knowles. Thanks to Coach Sue for joining us. Uh, always enjoy our conversations with her and her programs doing, doing big things. And, you know, the next step is, is the final four, which conveniently for me with uh, New Orleans family is in New Orleans this year on the women's side. Just it, point is that.
1: everything convenient to you this next couple of years? You can go to every one of them.
0: Well, the national championship games in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. What's really convenient is that I have extended family with the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation, which is organizing the championship game and the women's final four and that sort of stuff. You also have family in Shreveport. He doesn't. He doesn't like me though, so that's really not going to help. Yeah, him but you time.
1: have family in Shreveport too, right? I do. I do.
0: Two years ago, we were the only people were associated with Garnet and Gold that were okay with Shreveport. That said, uh, the thought of twice in three years, not so much. There you go. We haven't talked bowls,
1: so. Here's can can we just get a coach first? The bowl thing will take care of itself.
0: Yeah. Well, the quick, I you know, you and I have spent some time because I've looked at it, and uh, assuming Clemson wins this week and gets to the playoff, the ACC has one more team qualified for bowls than the ACC has bowl tie-ins, which means that somebody from the ACC, the last team selected, gets to go to either the Birmingham Bowl, which is January second, or the Gasparilla Bowl in St. Pete. Yep. Uh, So. Florida State could care less about going to Birmingham, I'm sure. They would probably be okay with St. Pete from a recruiting standpoint, but I think Miami may be in play there. But separate that, the way I look at it, and I'm trying to give the Cliffs notes, once you get down to the Tier 1 bowls, which is like the Pinstripe Bowl, the Sun Bowl, the Music City Bowl, the Belk Bowl, Gator Bowls, there's really not a pecking order for how they choose, and there doesn't appear to be defined rules on who they choose, i.e., you could take 6-6 Florida State over 7 and 5 Louisville or over 8 and 4 Virginia Tech if you wanted to. Now politically it wouldn't do you that well, but short story, I'm optimistic that Florida State's name may get it a better fate from a bowl standpoint than what its record would suggest because remember there's also BC is 6 and 6, Miami's 6 and 6. And North Carolina is 6-6. So there's
1: a lot down the bottom of the bowl barrel for the ACC. The long shot that I'm pulling for, and I I, I really haven't done the research like you have, so you can react if you know, but the long shot I'm pulling for is the folks in Jacksonville were so disappointed in not having the Florida State-Boise game there that they may want to bend rules, ask for forgiveness, do some things out of the box in order to get FSU over there for a bowl game. But it may be too far of a long shot. Yeah, I think FSU needed to beat Florida for that to happen. It's not really
0: bending rules. It's upsetting the apple cart and annoying your conference partner and a lot of the member schools. That's why that would tend to – the other thing, though, related to the Gator Bowl is that the way that contract's written, the ACC team goes to either the Gator Bowl or the Music City Bowl. And so in a six-year span, each of those bowls gets an ACC team three times. And the Gator Bowl's already had an ACC team three times. So then there's one more thing there. They have to get the Music City Bowl to sign to agree off on, to, it. to agree to it. So that's a lot of red tape. We data. shall see. I, really, what I'm hoping for is just by some miracle that Florida State gets the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium. I mean, that's what I'm rooting for. Not Detroit, not El Paso, not Shreveport. And it's all for the good
1: of the team, it has nothing to do it with is, the Block family. So Monday, we'll have an announcement. We'll have a new coach. I think so. Uh, there's there's legitimate uh, in the way Pat talked about it in giving whoever it is an opportunity to visit with his um team uh the logistics of of getting someone here uh i think and, and i'm I'm pleased to say this I think there's some consideration given to the fact that Florida state's playing Clemson on Sunday in basketball that 's an a c c game of some significance, and that the administration would say you know well while football is still number one. We're we're not going to announce it. We may announce that we're going to have a press conference on Sunday, but we're not going to actually hold the press conference until Monday. Or they could just bring them out at the Tucker Center and put
0: them on the mic at halftime.
1: Well, personally, <laughs> I would love that. I would think that would be huge, but I don't. I don't know if that'll work. Yeah. I just no, I, I hear you.
0: Back to what we were talking about earlier, though. I. I don't think Florida State should be faulted for doing its homework and getting a search. The search firm doesn't tell you who to hire. The search firm tells you. They vet. They vet. They tell you all the info. And for those who have been critical, and it's true, David Coburn, highly accomplished, his background hasn't been in athletics. So he's not as plugged in as an AD would be. I think that this whole process has probably been very enlightening for Coburn and Thrasher and Ed Burr because in talking to the search firm and in talking to whatever coaches they talk to, They've learned a lot about what the landscape looks like and where Florida State is in good position and where there are some shortcomings and what they previously thought was, that's not a reasonable request. They may have realized, you know what? Everybody made that everybody, request. Everybody made that request, so we got to pay attention to it. So I don't see the downside to it. Um, and again, you're not going to know until a year from now, until, I, you know, I mean, honestly, what we're hoping for, no matter how this offseason goes, you don't want to play that first game next year against West Virginia and lose 28 to 4 and not be able to well 28 to 4 would be tough. Yeah. 28 to 7 Your and, and not be got able a couple to good line
3: stops. up yeah yeah.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you get my point. You don't want to repeat what happened on Labor Day night 2 years ago. Not at all. And and also I think our fan base needs to understand and the administration I think will have um, a little more patience. Uh you know, it, I understand the decision even though it was after 21 games and I I agree with the decision. Uh, but that is a very short period of time, and I would hope that things would progress in such a way that uh, that some additional time would be merited. I mean, you go back and look at Shashevsky as a coach at Duke, and he was horrible the first couple of three years, maybe even into his fourth year. So uh, patience is also something that needs to be, be said.
0: And this is not the reason to make a decision, but a byproduct, if it is Norvell, is that his buyout, is lower than anybody else they were talking about. And I would think that the annual salary would be as well, which means the guaranteed money will be less, which means if things go sideways, you can extricate yourself from the situation a little easier, which is not how you go into the search, but that may be a byproduct where
1: we landed. How about this? Maybe a wonderful Christmas present for Florida State Athletics is that Willie Taggart gets rehired at USF.
0: It'd be a... Well, and then they hire him and they pay him... Five years, one dollar per year, and we let the lawyers get involved.
1: <laughs> and they would. Yeah.
0: All right, we're out of time. Uh, hopefully, by the time we chat with you next week, because we're done with our first look show. So just w- you're only stuck with us one hour a week now, folks. Wednesdays at go. six. Hopefully, by next Wednesday at six, we're actually talking about a head coach. He's T- Keithum Tom. We'll, we'll talk to you then. Stop.